Um, hey, City Light, I hope you guys are all doing well, and I hope that your morning is going well as, uh, as well. Um, my name is Chuck, as Eric mentioned, and it really is a privilege to be one of your pastors here at City Light. Um, I'll be honest with you, I really hate the fact that we haven't been able to gather physically in this building for over a month now. Um, when all of this first started, I remember thinking that it was some sort of conspiracy that was contrived by the introverts of the world uh, be, to get back at all the extroverts. The reason I thought that is because every introvert that I knew was like, oh, yeah, finally I don't have to go out and see anyone. Finally, I don't have to spend time with any other people. And every extrovert was like, if this thing goes on for very long, I'm going to lose my mind. And I'll be honest with you, I'm in that last group of people, and I'm about to lose my mind. The other day, uh, Jen and I, we were walking down uh, by the pedestrian bridge, and if people even so much as looked in my direction, I mean, I was on them. I was like, what's your name? Uh, where do you live? What's your favorite thing to do before the pandemic? What's your favorite thing to do now after this pandemic? At this point, I am willing to talk to just about anybody. And all the extroverts in our church just said, amen. Um, some people might say that that's not really that much of a difference, though, Chuck. But there is a, this introverted way of living has led me to do some things that I normally don't do. For instance, I've got a TikTok. Um, and not only do I have a TikTok, I record videos on TikTok. Folks, a month ago, I thought TikTok was something, was a sound that a, a clock made. And now I'm checking to see how many likes I have and if I have any new followers. It's absolutely crazy. Um, now, if you don't know what TikTok is, let me explain it to you. It's a social media platform that allows you to uh, make or upload 50, 15 to 60 second video clips. It's really a lot of fun for me. It's a fun way to engage. But be careful, there's all kinds of things on TikTok, just like any other social media. If you want it, you can find it quickly. I happen to enjoy uh, watching and listening to people preach the Bible. So during my time on TikTok, I found this young, hip, African-American guy named Mike Todd. Uh, Mike Todd is the pastor of Transformation Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And um, after I listened to some of his video clips, I started to do some research and find out more about him. Um, while researching, I ran across a, a, a YouTube video that told some of his story. And I found his story fascinating. Uh, Mike Todd, he grew up in a Christian home. Um, both of his parents were pastors. And he had no, and that's like zero intention of becoming a pastor. But here he is. He's a, a pastor of this mega church. He's in an economically depressed area of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he's having a huge impact. I just found that story fascinating. And after hearing his story, I jumped on Instagram and I found who I thought was Mike Todd. And I messaged him this. Honestly, I don't know why I uh, messaged Mike Todd. I guess I was just trying to in, uh, encourage this young guy who was um, doing big things to stay faithful to his relationship with Jesus. 
And I didn't think I'd ever hear from him. But about five minutes after I messaged him, I get this reply, and it was the beginning of a conversation that, for me, was kind of encouraging and uh, uh, gave me a little bit of life until he replied back and he said something to the effect of, hey, um, can you give some money to this fund that we use in order to uh, you know, feed hungry families all over the world? At that point, my suspicion went way up. So as I started to take a closer look into this Mike Todd that I thought I was talking to, I noticed that his Instagram username was this. This Mike Todd had over 20,000 followers. It's pretty impressive. He had pictures of Mike Todd plastered all over his uh, Instagram account. He had videos uh, that he was putting up on a regular basis. I thought this was the Mike Todd. So then I searched for Michael Todd on Insta, and that's when I found the real Mike Todd. Um, and his username is this. The real Mike Todd has over a million Instagram followers and zero time to return my message. This was pretty embarrassing for me. I, actually, I thought I was smarter than that. And it may seem petty, but um, I thought I knew better. Here's the point. I was fooled by an imitation. I was duped by a fake. I was deceived by a fraud. I was deceived because I didn't take notice of the details. The usernames were so similar. You can barely notice the difference. Look at it. One little I was the only difference. But it's the difference between a fake and the real thing. That's what happens in this story that we just heard read to us by Eric. But it's not about social media. It's about God's kingdom. And the consequences of being fooled aren't embarrassing and petty. They're significant and eternal. So let's dive in and see what Jesus is trying to, uh, to teach us here. Um, as we look at this uh, explanation of this story uh, from Jesus, it's important for us to remember that Jesus taught in parables so that he could make some bold statements that not everyone could understand. That's exactly what he does here in this parable. He tells the parable of the wheat and the weeds, and he makes the bold statement that this kingdom that I've been teaching about, it's my kingdom. This is a kingdom where disease and demonic oppression disappear and it belongs to Jesus. This is a kingdom where pain and affliction have no place and it belongs to Jesus. This kingdom doesn't belong to a group of religious people. It belongs to Jesus. It doesn't belong to the enemy. It belongs to Jesus. This is Jesus' kingdom, this good kingdom kingdom that Jesus has been describing belongs to him. And in his kingdom, Jesus sows, Jesus, Jesus knows, and harvest time is coming. That's where we're going today. Jesus sows, Jesus knows, and harvest time is coming. So first of all, let's look at how Jesus sows. 
The story starts out with a good farmer that has a field and um, he has a desire to get a good harvest. So he goes out in his field and he sows some good seed and he leaves the seed to do what it does best, grow. And uh, look at verse 37. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. And he answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The son of man, it's a title that Jesus used to refer to himself. So Jesus has gone out into his kingdom, his field, and he sowed his good seed. Jesus also says in verse 38, the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. That's you and me. The word sons in the original language would include men and women, young and old. Jesus paid the price, did the hard work of tilling up the soil, and sows us exactly where he wants us to grow. Jesus sows us, his good seed, in neighborhoods, businesses, and schools all over our city. Jesus sows us in places like West CB, where dozens of people are committed to planting a church in one of the darkest places in our city. Where people like Jim and Amy Cook join up with singles like Marie Carter and are multiplying their city group in the middle of a pandemic. That's some crazy stuff right there. But that is Jesus sowing his seed to grow his kingdom. Jesus sows his seed in places like One World in Omaha where people like Kara Higgins put herself and her family at risk every day looking after the medical needs of minorities and the marginalized in our community. Jesus is sowing his seed to push back the darkness of disease. Jesus sows his seed in places like Council Bluffs Community School District, where people like Branton Amy Anderson and Mike Starner and Courtney Murphy and Troy Arthur and Lisa Wright and Dr. Vicki Murillo look after kids who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Jesus is sowing his seed to push back the darkness of hunger and poverty. The kingdom belongs to Jesus, and he sows his good seed. And he leaves it to do what it does best, grow. That's point number one. Jesus sows. But as Jesus sows his good seed, it's hard to get past the fact that in our story, an enemy comes and sows some bad seed. Look at verses 24 through 26. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. Now this isn't a story that Jesus just pulled out of thin air. This was something that happened with some regularity in first century uh, farming culture. Competing farmers would try to sabotage another farmer's crop by planting a very particular type of evasive plant called darnel. It looked so much like wheat that uh, its more common name was called false wheat. And there were severe penalties that were imposed by the Roman government if anyone was caught planting this false wheat in a farmer's field. 
These two plants, the darnel and the wheat, at first glance look alike. But after doing some further investigating, we find that they are completely different. Let me show you. Do you see how similar the two plants look? Early in the growth process, they are indistinguishable. But here's the good news, City Light. Jesus knows the wheat from the weeds. This kingdom belongs to Jesus because he knows the wheat from the weeds. Jesus is speaking loudly through a whisper. And what he is telling his disciples is that his kingdom isn't about being religious. His kingdom isn't about following a set of rules. His kingdom isn't about looking like you're a good person. This is my kingdom and I know the wheat from the weeds. Now, somewhere in the process of the wheat growing beside the weeds, the workers in the field, they realized that they were being fooled. They realized that they were being duped, and they found out that they were being scammed. So they go to the farmer, and they ask him, um, should we go and pull up all these weeds? And the farmer says, no. Let them grow together, and I will sort it out at the harvest time. This is both a warning and a comfort. It's a warning because Jesus can't be fooled. He's not going to be duped or scammed like I was with the fake Mike Todd. Jesus knows the wheat from the weeds. Jesus knows the difference between the heart that is chasing after their own fame and the heart that is chasing after him. Jesus knows the difference between that person that lifts up themselves and the one that lifts up Jesus. Jesus knows the difference between the person who has their own mission and their own agenda and the person who is on mission with him. Jesus knows the difference. It's a comfort because Jesus knows how many times we, the good seed, have felt like we failed at being good wheat. He knows how many times we've failed to trust him. He knows about that site that you went to for comfort and traded in the comfort that only he can give. He knows about that time when you were stressed out and ate that half gallon of ice cream when you could have and should have gone to him. Jesus knows how you look to your job or your position for the identity that he's already given you. Jesus knows all that stuff, and he still says, I sowed that good seed. Don't pull it up. Jesus knows the difference. The kingdom belongs to Jesus. He sows the seed, and he knows the wheat from the weeds. And then one last thing. Harvest time is coming. Jesus lets us know that all these things about sowing and knowing and wheat and weeds, they're going to be all sorted out at harvest time. Look with me in the last part of verse number 39. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun 
in the kingdom of their father. Harvest time is coming, and it's going to look very different for the wheat than it will for the weeds. Jesus is letting us know that the weeds will be gathered together and thrown into a place of judgment where there's fire and weeping and great pain. I don't take joy in telling you that this morning. That's bad news for the weeds, City Light. Now, I'm not sure how that lands on you this morning, but for me, it raises a lot of questions. Questions like, what does weeping and gnashing of teeth look like? Do angels actually come and throw the weeds into a fire? Is Jesus talking about an eternal hell here? These are real questions, and as much as I would hope that this parable would answer all these questions, it just just doesn't. But here's what I do know. Jesus does talk about a real eternal hell that is cut off from the goodness of God and the kindness of Jesus. Jesus talks about a real hell where pain endures forever. It isn't a place of partying and picnics. It's a place of pain and weeping. This parable, it doesn't spell all that out. But what this parable does make clear is that at the end of the age, the weeds will be separated from the wheat and the eternal destiny of the weeds isn't good. The eternal destiny of the weeds is fire and weeping and great anguish and pain. That's really bad news. But it's the badness of the bad news that makes the good news so good. The reason the gospel is such good news is because the bad news is really bad. The good news is that Jesus sowed the seed that he paid the price for. And he planted that seed in a soil that he prepared. The good news is that this good seed, it's going to be harvested and will shine like the sun in his kingdom. So how do you know if you are wheat or if you're a weed. Two important distinctions about the wheat and the weeds. As wheat wheat matures, it turns a golden brown and bends slightly at the top. Look at this. But look at the weed. Do you see the difference? The weeds, they stand straight up and aren't affected at all by the time spent growing alongside the wheat. The wheat and the weeds, they have two completely different postures. Just a thought here, now track with me. The Pharisees, they were a people who were polished and proper. They knew their Bible. They were the religious crowd. But when they heard the words of Jesus, they were unmoved and unchanged by what they heard. But the rebel crowd, this group that Jesus got accused of spending way too much time with, they're the ones that got it. They wanted more of this kingdom, this life that Jesus was describing. As a result, prostitutes were changed and followed Jesus. Hated tax collectors, they gave up their post and followed Jesus. Blue-collar fishermen were given hope that they could be a part of this kingdom, and they followed Jesus. Two completely different responses to this message about Jesus' kingdom. Two completely different postures to the gospel, and two completely different eternal destinies as well. 
can I ask you some hard questions? What is your posture towards Jesus? How do you respond when you hear the gospel preached week after week after week? Are you unaffected and rarely moved? Or does the life that Jesus lived and the weight of what he did on the cross and the celebration of, his re- of the resurrection from the dead, does that move you? Does it move you to a greater love for him? Does it move you to a deeper obedience to him? Does it stir up in you a heart of gratitude that moves you to worship him? What is your posture towards Jesus? Your posture matters because it determines your eternal destiny. Harvest time is coming. There will be a time when King Jesus will send his workers to separate the wheat from the weeds. It's going to be good, a good news story for the wheat. The Bible says that the wheat, the children of the king, will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. But that's not the case for the weeds. That's not the case for those that looked so similar to the wheat. Those whose roots were so intertwined with the wheat. Those who looked like wheat but turned out to be weeds, they will suffer eternal judgment. But listen, it doesn't have to be that way. If Jesus can turn water into wine, he can turn weeds into wheat. If you're sitting there now in the comfort of your living room and you realize you aren't a Jesus follower, You can become a Jesus follower today. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home and you thought, my mom and dad are Jesus followers. My brothers and sisters are Jesus followers. Maybe I'm a Jesus follower. Maybe you've been hanging around a city group for a while now. Maybe you like the positive vibe that Christians have or the causes that Christians take up. But right now, you realize I'm not exactly sure what it is that makes me a Christian. Am I really a Christ follower? Right now, you can become a Christ follower. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe that what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you. And then C, commit your life to follow Jesus. It's that simple. A, B, C. But City Light, even though I say it's as simple as ABC, I have to be honest and tell you that it's as costly as your life. Being in Jesus' kingdom isn't about praying an ABC prayer right now so that you can get a season pass to heaven. Being in Jesus' kingdom isn't about trying to figure out or find the easiest route to heaven. Jesus' kingdom is about being a seed that gets planted by the Son of Man, Jesus himself. And then it grows with a posture of listening, a posture of hearing Jesus, a posture of humility towards King Jesus. So yeah, it's as simple as ABC, but it's also as costly as a life of humility. But in the end, City Light, when harvest time comes, we will rejoice. We will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father. Amen?
Amen. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we come to you now. We thank you for your goodness towards us. God, we thank you that you sowed us in the place that you have us. We thank you for sowing us in the neighborhoods and the businesses and the schools that you've um, placed us in. God, we pray, Lord, that you would continue to remind us that you are the one who sows the seeds. And then thank you, Father, that you know the weeds from the wheat. Thank you, Father, that, um, that in our times of failure, you don't root us up. Thank you in our times of failure, we can always come to you and uh, ask for forgiveness and trust and uh, hope and know that that forgiveness is granted because of what you did for us on the cross. Father, we love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now is the time where we get to remember the um, work of Jesus on the cross. We get to remember that he suffered and he bled and he died a terrible death. Uh, but we also get to remember the forgiveness that we get because of that death. We get to celebrate the resurrection and, and the life of Jesus Christ. So as you take, as you receive your communion, uh, and you dip the, the, the cracker, the bread, into the, uh, the cup, would you remember that Jesus Christ gave himself for you so that you could have a life with him and you have forgiveness of sins because of what he did for you on the cross? Thank you, City Light. Love you guys. Have a great day.